The Adam Crowley Show. Are you putting me in a position to pull a Phil Kessel or something like that right now? Is that what you're saying? I think you did pull a Phil Kessel, and now we're calling you on it like we're calling Dunlap, baby. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Am I on the air right now? Yeah, you're on the air. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Today when my alarm went off, instead of stopping the alarm, I wound up flipping on an iPhone update two hours later and I was able to use my phone again. I can't remember the last time I felt so alone, so helpless, so afraid. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. My iPhone went rogue! And now I'm learning how to do everything. The text interface is different. Twitter's in a different place. I don't remember my stupid-ass iCloud password. It's really made my day a pain in the ass. Brian LaMartina's across from me. Poor transition there. He's not a pain in the ass. And shirtless Tom! Behind the glass. If you didn't catch our cheese tease, he's drying off right now. Because it was a... Peas tease. Hey, McCutcheon was back this weekend. He seems like a good dude. He really does. I didn't love him in my couple of interactions with him in the locker room, but I was me, and he was him, or he, and, well, that's probably all you need to say there. But this weekend, he seemed great. He signed autographs for a bunch of kids along the baseline. He... Talked to Michael McHenry for 15 minutes and seemed like he was a really good friend of his, even though Michael McHenry's kind of a dweeb, right? Uh, Michael McHenry's bounced around on 15 different baseball teams. He's just a guy, and Andrew McCutcheon was the guy, and yet Andrew McCutcheon was like, much love, bro. That makes you a cool dude in my book. That's like if Madden walks down the hall, he's like, what's up, Crowley? Like the big Han show talks to the jabroni. I think you think you're cool. It's badass. McCutcheon's a great guy. Sidney Crosby, I think, carries himself really well. He's a tremendous ambassador for the game, much like Andrew McCutcheon. And then I thought, where's the Steelers guy? They got one? Do they got one who's a megastar? Cam Hayward's a great guy. Judas Smith-Schuster's a good dude. Darius Hayward Bay is a good guy. Ryan Shazier is a good guy. They've got a lot of good dudes on that team. But do they have the superstar ambassador for the game the way that the Pirates and the Penguins had and have? Uh, I don't think so. Ben Roethlisberger certainly doesn't fit that description. People in Pittsburgh love him because he's the quarterback here in Pittsburgh. But if he wasn't the quarterback here, you'd hate him. He's probably hated by every other market because of, well, you know, the past. And even if you are a Steelers fan, you're probably not all that enamored with him right now because, well, he ain't texting Mason Rudolph until the last possible moment before rookie camp. And he's always spouting off to the media, and he's always running to crook and phony, and he's always trying to set the agenda. So I'm wondering, if the Pirates had Kutch and the Penguins have Crosby, who's the last Steeler who fits in there? Was it Troy? There was a breakup there at the end. I imagine one day he'll come back and everything will be good, but they're still kind of broken up. He didn't want to stop playing football. The Steelers said, ah, well, you're retired. 
Dick LeBeau. Ah, uh, you're retired. Bruce Arians, ah, uh, you're retired. All those guys were loved, respected. The last two weren't players, but you get where I'm coming from. Heinz Ward, it was a little choppy there at the end, but he was back last week, or last year, pardon me, for Steelers training camp. Who's the last Steeler that you think would fit in with the McCutcheon and Crosby cut of athlete? Need to be a superstar, need to be universally loved. You tell me, 412-922-2874. I welled up a bit on Friday. I did. Mainly because I had to shovel manure for two hours after I watched Andrew McCutcheon bat for the first time. But it got to me. Hit me right here in the fields. He's back. And what did McCutcheon do but strike out the first time it was up to bat? It was like a playoff game. That's probably not fair. The Pirates won two out of three from the Giants, and I'm going to say it this way so that you don't misconstrue what I'm trying to say. They feel like a real baseball team. It doesn't mean they're good. doesn't mean they're great. But they're a real baseball team. You don't want to play the Pirates. They could beat you. I think that's a compliment. Because in 2007, (laughs) you wanted to play the Pirates. Uh, You weren't going to lose to them. In 2010, you wanted to play the Pirates. In 2008, you wanted to play the Pirates. This year, you don't want to play the Pirates. They had good baseball players. They're chippy. They could beat you. And so far, so good. They have beat you. Maybe it was the crowds this weekend. Maybe it's the fact that the Penguin season's over. Maybe it's just me and my unbridled optimism. But I think the Pirates can hang around here for a little bit. I do. Here's how the Pirates regulars are doing in terms of OPS. Cervelli's hitting 985. That's insane. Dickerson, 880. Marte, 856. Moran, 812. Polanco, 808. And that's with Bell not playing all that well yet. And that's with Josh Harrison working his way back into the lineup. Bell's hitting about the same in terms of average of la- as last year, just with less power. Slugging percentage isn't there, but I imagine that will turn around. With Harrison, and even if when Cervelli cools down, he can make up for some of that difference. And Bell getting better should offset some of the other guys coming back down to earth. Speaking of coming back down to I guess not Earth, but some reasonable numbers. The Pirates' bullpen had the second-best ERA in baseball this month. They've got the arms. Now they're starting to pitch much better. The rotation's okay. It's not built for a playoff series. Let's not get ourselves there. Who you guys got going game one? We got Kershaw. Who they got? Tyone. Oh. So it's not ready for a playoff series. Not by a long shot, but they're fine. And with the way the team's hitting, they can survive for a little while. Musgroves looked great on the rehab trail. He was much better as a reliever in Houston. So what I would do is put that dude who had a 144 ERA out of the pen in the pen because he had a 612 ERA out of the rotation. Then you slide Kingham into the rotation, the guy who's got a 251 ERA in AAA and, you know, had a pretty damn good debut for the Pirates. The Pirates have an opportunity in the next week and a half to really make themselves known as wild card contenders. They got the White Sox who are 10 and 27. 
The Padres were 16 and 26. The Reds were 14 and 27. Not to get greedy, but you'd really like to see the Pirates go 7 and 2 or better in the next nine games. 6 and 3 is okay. 5 and 4 is a gut punch, I think. If they can go 7 and 2 against that awful competition, that would put them at 30 and 19, and that would make them legitimate contenders for a wild card spot. Hell, going 6 and 3 would have them at 29 and 20. Now, I've said a bunch. If you're around 500, then you can be in a second wild card chase. If the Pirates can get 10 or so games over 500, then they could still make an interesting summer for y'all, for yins, even if they go through a slump or two. And maybe a slump's right around the corner with the Cardinals, Cubs, Nationals, and Dodgers all on the schedule. They'll take some lumps in that stretch, so it's important to get ahead of it against bad ball clubs. Hey, is Jameson Ty on the ultimate team player? He's got to be, right? Jamison Tyon sliced open his middle finger on his pitching hand, and he says a lot of former teammates and teammates said that the best way to go about fixing it is to pee on himself. Now, usually I don't do this, but, uh, go on. He says he wouldn't rule out peeing on himself to heal up. Julian Tavares used to do it all the time for the blisters on his hands. Apparently, Moise Salou used to do it all the time. More like Moiste Salou, am I right? More like Moise use the Lou, am I right? I'd rather have the guy who's going to pee on his hand than the guy who won't. That's the way it goes. David Price for the Red Sox couldn't pitch because he had carpal tunnel due to Fortnite playing. Jamison Tyone sliced his middle finger. Guy's bleeding for his baseball team. And instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to play Fortnite in the clubhouse anymore. He says, I'm going to pee on myself. I know they don't really do the captain thing in baseball anymore. You had Jeter, you had Jason Veritek. I say Jamison Tyon should be the Pirates captain. He's going to keep the ship afloat. He was a pee on himself. I don't understand the merits there. I do get that it's an antiseptic. It's going to kill some of the pain. But does it help build up callus? I don't know. It's worth a shot, though, to get back out there on the mound. I'd pee on myself if it would help my career. I would. If they told me I couldn't do radio for the next three months unless I peed on myself, I'd pee on myself. I'd do it every day in the shower anyhow. Same with Tyone. Will Graves will join us at 420. That's about eight minutes away to tell us whether or not he'd pee on himself. We've got Alan Saunders at 520. I don't know if we're going to be talking about peeing. The Capitals' success against Tampa does not mean that the Penguins would have played the same way. I haven't seen a lot of that yet, but let's get out ahead of it. Just because the Capitals are beating the stuffing out of Tampa Bay does not mean that the Penguins, if they were there, would be beating the stuffing out of Tampa Bay as well. They're different teams. And in fact, I think this just shows how good Washington really is. There is no reason to say that losing to that team was a failure. They were good. They are good. And now they're playing their best hockey of the season. Can you believe that they were down 2-0? To the Columbus Blue Jackets all the way back in round one and had to go to double overtime in game three. This is a team that's good enough right now as they're playing to win the Stanley Cup and 
They were one goal away from not having gotten a chance to get out of the first round. Shows you everything we know. In fact, I think it was Emily Kaplan who I had on the program from ESPN. And I said, are the Capitals going to have to blow it up? And she said, yeah, I think they are. When they were down 2-0, we were all assuming the worst. Which probably means don't write Tampa Bay off just yet. But, Tampa is talking like Penguins fans and Penguins analysts were after the Penguins lost to Washington. A couple of Tampa Bay Lightning players said that they're slow. They look slow. They're indecisive. Does that sound familiar? The Penguins didn't miss an opportunity. They got beat by a better hockey club. And then there's this. Matt Niskanen said about Alexander Ovechkin's playoff breakthrough, quote, if we're being serious here, I think this is a relief for him. I think beating Pittsburgh was huge for him, end quote. Duh! Can't go to the conference final unless you beat the team that's standing in your way. Now, some of this stuff does get played up, though. Tampa Bay came down on a three-on-one and hits the pipe. That would have made it three-to-one. On the other way, you saw Washington put theirs in the back of the net. Devontae Smith-Pelly tied it at two. So there's a lot of narratives being tossed around. Yeah, there's a bounce away from being 1-1. I wouldn't say it's over yet, but I would say, whew, Washington's a damn good hockey club. They're good. Hey, sports gambling could be coming to a state near you. Maybe PA. I don't know where you're listening on the iHeartRadio app, but I'm excited about it. I've got some information here. Bear with me. The U.S. Supreme Court has struck down a federal law that effectively bans sports gambling in states other than Nevada. Congress can regulate sports gambling directly, but if it elects not to do so, each state is free to act on its own, the court wrote in a 6-3 decision. It went on to say our job is to interpret the law Congress has enacted and decide whether it is consistent with the Constitution. PASPA is not. The court wrote, PASPA is the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992, so this opens the doors for other states to allow sports betting, and more people than ever before, if it gets legalized in most of the 50 states, are going to watch sports than they ever have. And that's awesome for our industry. It's badass. Perhaps we can bring back the Tom's Degenerate Gambling Pick of the Day. Perhaps we can. The shirtless Tom's Degenerate Gambling Pick of the Day. I think my picks are going to be a lot sharper now that I don't have to wear a shirt anymore. Well, now that you don't have to worry about the feds cracking down on you, you're good. And that's exciting. This is huge. I think sports are about to change forever. Uh, The way that you watch pregame shows, the way that pregame shows behave, uh, the way that radio shows behave, we'd be doing you all a disservice not to have a sports better dude on every freaking week now. In the NFL season. Write that down, Tom. Sorry, shirtless Tom. And in fact, wait a second. Maybe it's you. Shirtless Tom. Oh, oh, the expert is shirtless Tom. Degenerate gambling pick of the day. Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a lot more detail coming up at 5 because I'm very excited about it. I've never really been a gambler, but why not now? Why not? Also, putting this up on the unsponsored <clears throat> Twitter poll. That underscore Adam Crowley. What's your favorite season? Hamburger, hot dog, and short season? Pumpkin spice and flannel season? Or holiday? Spoiler alert. Damn, I like them all. I don't know what to say. 
Well, you're going to have to convince me one way or the other. Coming up next, Will Graves from the Associated Press talks about gambling and kutch and women coaches. Uh, there's so much to get to with Graves. That's next. It's the Crowley Show. Necessary? Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? Probably not. No, but I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. Apparently, Moise Salou used to do it all the time. More like Moise Salou. Am I right? More like Moises use the loo. Am I right? So much to get to. That's why we have Will Graves from the Associated Press on. Gambling, peeing, McCutcheoning, favorite season. So much to do, so little time. Will Graves joins us now. Hello, William. What's up? Is there hazard pay involved for the cheese teases? I mean, or is it sort of the gorilla style of it? Just the, 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 You guys are so young, you're just in it for the thrill. We're just in it for the thrill, buddy. Uh, there's no insurance. Uh, Tom does not mind if we pee in his eye. We're all right with it. It's cool, man. It's all cool. It's sterile. He likes the taste. We're fine. Hey, Will. Yeah. Do you think it'd be weird if Tyon peed on his hand? Do I think it, do I think it would be weird? Yeah. Um, or any player, or, or Jameson specifically? Well, oh, have you not heard about this? No, I'm. I'm oh. Dad takes me this week, uh, so I'm out of the. I'm out of loop. Feel free to educate me. Okay, so Jameson Tyon has a cut on his middle finger on his throwing hand. And he's been told by a lot of former players and current players that what you need to do in order to form a callus is to pee on your hand. And he says he's not ruling it out. Well, look, I mean, let's give Jamal a lot of credit here. I don't know if you guys saw the great story that uh, Liz Bloom did on the anniversary of uh, his diagnosis of the procedure in which he got rid of testicular cancer, where he freely admitted he knew uh, something. he was in trouble because he was sitting in his hotel room watching TV. He did not specify what he was watching. He had his hand down his hand. So, and then he made a joke about how when he was a kid, he would walk around with his hand in his diaper all the time. So, I mean, it's obvious he's comfortable in that sort of, that type of situation. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if the Pirates uh, think that it's a good idea, if he thinks it's a good idea, why not? If your family's out of town, Will, and just to take a, a quick left turn here, sure. and, you, and you're home alone, and it's like 9.30 on a Saturday night, are your feet up on the coffee table, a beer in your hand, and your hand on your pants? Why does it have to be 9.30 at night? Can't it just be, like, noon? <laughs> I mean... That's fair. That's where I am. My wife's going to be gone to Nashville this weekend, so I will be sitting there with my hand on my pants and a beer in my hand for 25, 36 hours, however long it is. However long it, how long, however long it takes me to pass out, that's what I'll be doing. I would say if your hand comes out of your pants, you're wasting your time. Attaboy. All right, so we're cool with Jamison Tyon peeing on himself. Uh, we're now cool with us having peed on Tom because we get the context clues. All good. Hey, Will, the Pirates had McCutcheon. The Penguins have Crosby. What's the closest thing that the Steelers have had to that guy, to a great ambassador for the sport that's universally praised for the most part uh, and, and all around well-liked? The quarterback? Right? No Is way. Right? No way. Not yeah, Ben. I mean, no I, chance. No way. No, I'm telling you, I, I mean, in the, in the information vacuum that I work in, which is typically 11 to 11.20 on Tuesdays during the season, I mean, 
I've never heard of a guy be a greater ambassador of goodwill for, for mankind, let alone football. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I would say, I mean, you know, I, I, part of me wants to say Franco, uh, but then you get like the, the Paterno Sandusky stuff got really weird for everybody. So that sort of, um, I mean, ambassadors? I mean, everybody loves Heinz Ward. I don't know if he was an ambassador per se. Maybe ambassador is not the right word, but a universally revered and respected player the well, way that McCutcheon and Crosby Well, I would think Mean Joe Green. I mean, Mean, mean Joe Green would be yeah. the guy. I mean, if you, you don't think Troy about, was that guy? I think Troy was that guy until the end. I mean, well, I'm older than you, so I'm going to pull this. If you put it in the context of what did McCutcheon and Sid have both have in common, uh, they turned – they were – integral parts oh. of a franchise turning oh, itself around. Good point. Right? And if you're if you're going in that context, I mean, everybody has said, I read Michael McCambridge's book uh, on Chuck Knoll when I was in Korea, and, uh, you know, every, <laughs> the stories of what Joe meant to that, that pick meant to the Steelers um, is tremendous. Now, obviously, and, and I think and the weird part is, you know, as much of a badass as he was when he played, I think when he retired, he's sort of become – I mean, if you not if you don't see Mean Joe Green, you go, oh my God, that's Mean Joe Green. There's something wrong with you. you you're right, man. He was in the Coke commercial. A kid's throwing him. He's throwing a kid to Jersey. Uh, I think you're right about that, without a doubt. The question is, has there been a player like that since Mean Joe Green? And you say no. I, I mean, Troy's a great dude, great player, mm-hmm. all fame player. Uh, but you know, it's sort of you know the one thing about. Sid is very dutiful. Sid is not going to go and, and, and hog the spotlight by anything that he says, but his actions, obviously, both on the ice and sort of, you know, some of the charity stuff he does away from the ice, you know, that's the kind of, that's what you want. Uh, and he will talk. I mean, Troy, I love, I, you know, I was around Troy four seasons. Great guy, just didn't say much. So I think that's sort of the one thing that's lacking there. I think that's, you know, there, there's the public persona of Troy is like, Crazy hair, unbelievable athleticism, instinctive player, Hall of Famer, and you don't really know that much about him. I think it's very Troy-esque that in the middle of the night, he just sort of retired. He called Jim Wexler, he's like, Wex, I'm done, and that was it. That was, and that's a very Troy way to go out. It was a badass thing, man. It was a really cool thing for him to do because he respected Jim, and I think Jim's really great at what he does, but he's not the preeminent Steelers beat writer in this town. It, like If he called Ed Bouchette, I think that's one thing. But he winds up calling Jim Wexel, and I think that's awesome. Well, and, they, and they've had a long-time relationship. And let's remember right? when, uh, when LeBeau left. I mean, LeBeau called his hometown paper right? in Ohio and was like, hey, the Steelers did not renew my contract. Uh, much to the surprise of Burt Lawton, because I was the first one to call him, because I'm at my niece's uh, two-year-old, you know, second birthday party somewhere in Virginia. And I get, I get a note, and then I text Burt, and I'm like, he goes, what? <laughs> so... Uh, so, yeah, but a very classy. I mean, look, you know, all those guys. Um, I mean, Kutch, look, Kutch, I was there Friday. Kutch turned the charm on. I mean, he oh, did. He, yeah. was, he knew this day was coming. He absolutely won. Uh, he won the press conference, if that's a thing. Not that he had to, obviously. And, you know, in a way, I think it was it was cathartic for, for all involved. I mean, the Pirates can now sort of move forward. I mean, they've, they're okay. I mean, I think Jordy Mercer said it after the game. He said, look, you know, we love him, we miss him, but guess what? He's not on our team anymore, and we got to roll with the guys we have, so let's do that. And I think maybe, well, they had 34,000 on Friday, right? Uh, if you can't be impressed by the way they played that night and want to come back, and I understand, look, I understand people are pissed. Whoa. Because guess what? Guess what? When, 
if this happens with when anybody's contract gets onerous at any point, and they figure, well, we can save six million and and get a guy whose war is a point and a half below whoever player X is, we're going to trade him. It's hard to get emotionally attached if you're a fan. Why get emotionally attached if they're just going to move guys if they have success, right? So I understand that. That being said, I mean this team were a quarter of the way through the season. I don't think people would think they're what twenty three and seventeen. Uh, I'm sure, and I think I said this a couple weeks ago. I'm pretty sure most of us didn't think they'd have 23 wins by the end of March or the end of May. So, hey, Will, let's, yeah. let's talk about sports gambling, please. Let's do. It. Uh, let's do it, baby. I am all about the Supreme Court's decision today because I am all about people making their own choices when it comes to morality. And for all the people who say gambling's immoral, okay, fine. Well, then don't gamble. But to the people who want to gamble, now you can gamble. Well, not quite yet, but. Pretty soon you're going to be able to. It's going to be great for our industry. It's going to be great for all the sports leagues. It might have saved football. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew, Skip. Right, and I mean, it's, and what do these? What's the NFL and the NHL going to say? They put teams in Las Vegas. You know, I mean, what do you? What, where's your moral high ground there? You know, so I, I'm for it. You know, the, the thing is, like, it's amazing how, like, in the rest of the world, that this is just the rest of the world, Mick. It's sort of, this is just accepted behavior. I mean, this is sort of, you can gamble wherever. Uh, when I was in London for the Olympics in 2012, uh, across the street from uh, the hotel I was at, there was like a little mini mall, and literally right next to the Starbucks was a sports book. Just sitting, and I was like, I, I kind of walked in, and I was like, what, what is this? And like, this, you know, you can gamble on the football matches. And I was like, oh, and anything else. I mean, good Lord, the Brits love their gambling. So uh, I, I'm for it. And maybe this will lead to the sort of the, uh, the thought process will lead to, because it's going to happen in college, and they've had billion dollars gambled on the NCAA tournament for years. Maybe the players can get some of that money at some point. That would be nice. Whoa. Now, now that's immoral to me. Well, why would you want to give players money for something that they're doing that's earning everybody else money? I, I think that's, that's <laughs> where I draw the line on morality, man. To pay college athletes that is the height of all that is wrong with this country if it were to happen. I mean, and there are people that truly, truly believe that. I've, I've had, I mean, I've had this stance for 15 years. And I just think if you're a Division I athlete at a Power 5 school and a starter and you're a difference maker on your team and your, your play affects the outcome of these games and also affects the fact that 78,000 people show up and the fact that the coach gets paid $4 million, I think if there's some way that this money can sort of, sort of the runoff from all this gambling, you know, if, there, if it's fees that, uh, that, that these gambling institutions, wherever they pop up, have to feed back to, to the individual schools or whatever, I mean, I would be all for that. All for that. Yeah, as would I, my friend. And it's interesting to consider the possibilities here. Uh, I wonder how far along Pennsylvania is. I wonder when all that's going to go down. We'll find out more uh, as the week goes on and as we move into the future. But uh, I'm all jammed up, man. I am all jammed up. I have a question for you about not sports, but about life. It's on my Twitter poll today, at underscore Adam Crowley. Actually, I think I forgot to put it up. I'll put it up. Favorite season. Hamburger, hot dog, and shorts, pumpkin spice and flannel, or holiday? Uh, definitely shorts, beer, hot dogs. Um, I just think that's, I mean, I, yeah, I just, 
everybody loves like that first week pumpkin spice comes out. Right. And then you're like, after like a week and then you wake up and it's like November 2nd and it's 44 degrees and raining and you realize it's going to be cold until May 1st. That's depressing. It's the same way. And then like, okay, you get Thanksgiving and Christmas to kind of distract you. And then it's like January 3rd and you're like, Oh my God, kill me. I want to die. Right. So I just say for me, from a, just from a quality of life standpoint, I think if it's warm, it's just, your life is better. Yeah, you're right about that. I'm on my back deck on Saturday afternoon. With your hand up, down your pants. I'm hand afraid. down my pants, man, grilling some burgers and dogs, maybe smoking a cigarette or two and drinking a beer. Ski, oh, it's a great day. It's a great day, and you can't really do that in the fall unless you're tailgating, and then it's a little rainy and wet and it's chilly, and you're right. Hundred percent. I mean, I'm like one of those yinzers, and I got a I got a nine year old yinzer that I'm that lives in my house. I mean, I'm one of those dudes that if it's like, a, and you've seen me at the Steelers, if it's over like 45 or 50, and it's not windy, I'm wearing shorts. I mean, that's just that's my commitment level to it. I'm, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy that wears flip flops or sandals. I think that's gross, guys. Put some socks and, and tennis shoes on, running shoes, whatever. I think that's gross. You're a sandal guy. I've seen your I've seen your feet, right? I have. I'm sure I have. Why am I a sandal guy? That seems made sandal up. Sandal guy, or what do they call them? Flip-flops, whatever. You're a flip-flop guy, right? I wear thongs. It's gross. It's gross. That's just like, I, I, uh, I, you know, it's, I, I got a problem with, like, toenail or, toe, you know, knuckle hair. Toe knuckle hair. That's just a... Oh, I think... Nobody you know, needs to see mine, and I don't need to see anybody else. You're remembering my feet very well, actually. I have all kinds of knuckle hair on my toes. It's disgusting. <laughs> it really is disturbing, but... You got all, you're kind of a hairy dude just in whoa, general, crowd. See, here's the, here's the Except deal. Except when brings. you, like, when you guys, what, didn't you wax? You did the wax yes. a few months ago, right? Yes. I mean, it all grew back. Very itchy, terrible, horrendous process, but I'm a Converse guy. So at training camp, when I'm walking around and it's raining and you're slogging around, you can't be wearing Converse because then they're going to be wet and smelly for a month. So that's whenever I decide to go with the flip-flops. It's also what Jesus would have done. So I hope, you, I hope you're okay with that. They weren't thongs back in, what, in 2,000 years ago. Oh, Jesus not. wore a thong. He was a hippie. I, don't you, I mean, doesn't it bother you? You're not... It doesn't make you feel uncomfortable to be around. And I'm a, let's, let's be honest. I'm a guy that frequently, or because of my job, I'm frequently around 240-pound men that are naked. I do not get uncomfortable. I don't go, you know, I don't go, that's, that doesn't, that's not, I mean, it's just the practice of it is weird. But, like, in general, I don't get weird. But, like, if I, like if I was just walking down the street and there see dudes, like, feet, I just, feet are gross. Feet are for running or whatever, you know. Running to the running to the emergency room after you pee on your hand to get to help the laceration go away and build up scar tissue and realize that maybe you ate something you shouldn't have and that's affected the cut. I mean that's that's what feet are for to get you to places, not to like, hey, look at my feet. No, Graves. Last pass, thing, last, last last thing here for you. Okay, so let's let's tie it all together. Since you're such sure. an expert on what I'm wearing and gambling is soon to be legal, I'll give you. a as we go down my body, I'll give you money for everything you guess correctly. Okay? So I've got a hat on. What's my hat? Well, I saw the cheesies. I'm assuming it's oh, dude, get out of here. Right? Goodbye, Graves. You can't do this. Uh, bet's null and void. Null and void. Doesn't count. Had to get him off there before he correctly said West Virginia cap. That was going to be the easy one. Well, like that was a big guess. No. I mean, hey, Crowley's in a West Virginia hat. Oh, breaking news. Look out, everybody. It's West Virginia football hat season. And then after that, it'll be West Virginia basketball season. 
And then after that, depression. The funny thing is that the football hat and the basketball hat, same exact hat. No, they're different. It does not get that dirty by just wearing it during one season. This is a different hat. I've got a much dirtier hat that's my football hat. Or that's my basketball hat, pardon me. Oh, wow. Yeah. You need help. I do. Coming up next, around the bags. Then at 5 o'clock, we talk all things gambling. It's Crowley Show. Everybody has said I read Michael McCambridge's book uh, on Chuck Knoll when I was in Korea. Everybody has said I read Michael McCambridge's book uh, on Chuck Knoll when I was in Korea. Whatever. You're a flip-flop guy, right? I wear thongs. It's gross. That's just like... Bill Graves always comes with a bunch of useful information and opinion. Today, he told us where he wrote, read, pardon me, a Michael McCambridge book. It just didn't really seem necessary to tell me where and when he read it. In fact, I'm going to be reading a bunch when I go to the beach next month. But if I ever reference the book, I'm not going to tell you I read it on the beach. You don't care. I read Chuck Knoll's book. I did. The Michael McCambridge one? It was awesome. Read it on the toilet. In like 75 installments. You're welcome, America. It's been a long time, but now it's back, and I couldn't be more excited. It's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. Brad Marshan was never taught how to properly execute. First base. Kutch is awesome, man. He's just a good dude. Or at least he comes off that way. He was candid. He was honest with Michael McHenry prior to the game two on Saturday. McHenry seems like a great person, too. But he's a jabroni. He's a nobody in the baseball world. He's a curtain jerker. He's the kind of guy who gets traded from team to team to team to team to team to team to team. Because everyone always needs a backup catcher who's got a little bit of pop. He was a backup catcher that had a little bit of pop, but it was really cool that Andrew McCutcheon opened up to that guy, showing me that McCutcheon wasn't only hanging out with the stars. McCutcheon wasn't only hanging out with Garrett Cole and Starling Marte, guys like that. No, he hung out with the little guy, like Michael McHenry. I'm a big Jack Wilson fan. Remember him? Jumping Jack Flash, one of the best fielding shortstops in the game of baseball, couldn't hit most of his career. Yeah, one year he was an all-star, but... That guy got totally overlooked. And when he wasn't getting overlooked, made fun of by Brian Giles and by Jason Kendall in the locker room. Didn't happen with Kutch, because he's a good dude. He talked about how much Pittsburgh's meant to him and his family. He talks about his wife and his kid, and you can see how much he cares about them. He comes off as a person that is genuine. He was signing autographs for people during the rain delay. The Pirates got rid of a good one. But it does seem like he'll be back. Kutch might be a Pittsburgher for life. As for the moment, kudos to Cervelli for making sure the fans got to have their say. It was the best moment that that ballpark will likely see this year. Good for all involved. Hey, shirtless Tom, sausage fingers aren't able to take off a bra, so he's never been to. Second base. Sometimes when I don't think of a good enough joke, I make fun of Tom. Sausage fingers? Really? Tom, take a picture of your fingers right now and send it to me. I'll tweet it out. It was a big-time series win for the Buckos. They won five in a row before Sunday's loss. You can't win them all, but the Bats came out to play. Marte's playing about as well as he can. 
Bell and Polanco hit bombs. This Pirates lineup's here to stay. More on that in a moment or two. If only the pitching could be better. More on that in a moment or two. Jamison Tyon thinks... Third base. Includes peeing on a woman. The Pirates schedule is one that they need to take advantage of over the next week or so. White Sox are 10-27. and 27. The Dads are 16-25. and 25. The Reds 14-27. and 27. Not to get greedy. But you'd really like to see M. Buckos go seven or two or better in the next nine games. Six and three is okay. Five and four, not good enough. They can go seven and two against that awful competition, and it is awful. That would put the Buckos at 30 and 19 and make them legitimate contenders for a wild card spot. Hell, going six and three would have them at 29 and 20. I've said a bunch. If you're sitting there hovering right around 500, then you could be in the second wild card chase. And if the Pirates can get 10 or so games over 500, they could still make for an interesting summer even if they don't go through a slump or two. Or do go through a slump or two. But look at the schedule after this cupcake walk. They got Cardinals, Cubs, Nats, and Dodgers. Although the Dodgers aren't all that good. They'll take some lumps in that stretch. So it's important to get ahead of it against the bad ball clubs. Brian typically eats a salad on a first date so he can look shredded when he's going for home. I figured I'd get Brian in there so it didn't mean like seem like I was such a jackass for take, making fun of Tom. Although Brian was cool. Yeah, that was that was like pro Brian. Thank you. Yeah. I don't have sausage fingers. No, you know how to take a bra off. Them Buckos getting healthier. Josh Harrison's rehab assignment begins today, as my grandmother told us. In his stead, Adam Frazier's hit two thirty five with a two ninety one on base percentage. Someone on this show, I think it it must have been Tom, said at the time of Josh Harrison's injury that Adam Frazier was going to be good enough and maybe just as good as Josh Harrison. It looks like Tom was wrong. Ah, uh, what an idiot. It's just a stupid thing for Tom to say. 235, 291 on base percentage, Tom. How do you feel about that? I still think he has potential to be just as good as Harrison, so the jury's still out. Man, talk just took one for the team there after I made fun of his sausage fingers. Pirates would love to get Jay Hay back. Pitching for the Pirates, AAA affiliate in Indianapolis on Saturday, Musgrave Grove did not allow a hit in five and two-thirds innings. It's Musgrove, Tom, okay? Why'd you write Musgrave on my piece of paper? He had six strikeouts, did not walk a batter, throwing 79 pitches, 60 of them for strikes. Here's what the Pirates got to do. Allow Musgrove to be a bullpen player. He was much better as a reliever in Houston. He had a 144 ERA out of the pen for the Strohs. He had a 612 ERA out of the rotation. Nick Kingham has a 251 ERA in AAA and was great in two starts in the majors. He could be a huge boost to the back end of the rotation. The way I see it, the Pirates could get better in the rotation and in the bullpen if they use Kingham in the rotation where we all know he can be pretty good and Musgrove from the pen where he was excellent. Now, Musgrove will argue that his numbers got better because of a change in delivery. Yeah, I think it's because he made the switch to the bullpen. That's around the bags. Hi! Another beautifully executed performance from Adam and around the bags. He was hotter than a fresh batch of Moses Alou pee all over my hands. Adam wins. Adam wins. Hey, Tom, what's your favorite season? I'm going to have to go with uh, shirtless... Uh, burger hot dog season. Brian? Absolutely. 
Anything with shorts, beer, burgers, and hot dogs. I'm down. That's my favorite. The only reason I am conflicted here is because I love wearing the skinny jean flannel combination. Yeah, you do. Right at the beginning of fall. Yep. It's when I think I look my best. Plus, you can hide any of the atrocities that might be below. See, but again, back to what Graves said, you know. You know what the weather's going to be like for like the next That's eight true. months. So it's like, screw this. I get you. I kind of do like dressing, you know, for that season. I think the dressing in fall is the best. Yeah. yeah I think we all nuts. look our best. There's like two or three days where the weather's perfect in fall. Mm-hmm. Not enough. I'll take summer any day. I need hot dogs. I need beer and I need shorts. FYI. And preferably, I don't even really need the shorts. Whoa. Spring's over. Yeah, like about 30 minutes ago. We yeah. had about 15 minutes of it. That was it. That was yep. spring, and now we're back to summer. Uh, we just up and missed it. It was hot as balls this weekend. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, sure. Hot as balls? Yeah. Hmm. It gets cooled down by the rain. That's what happens. <laughs> it's a nice little lesson in weather there for you guys. Just call me Scott Harbaugh from Channel 11 Weather Center. Coming up next, the federal sports betting ban has been overturned. What's it mean for the NFL? What's it mean for all sports? Are you more likely to do it? There's so many things to tackle. It's the Crowley Show.